0: Sneaky cat's feet. Your conscience comes creeping through the room. (laughs) Rolls around on the rug and scratches itself. You'll notice it has tiny, bloodshot beady eyes. On tiny cat's feet, your conscience yawns lazily. Eats a little of the fritos left over from last night's TV watch. And uh, goes quietly sauntering out into the yard. On tiny Casp, your conscience. Well, uh, don't, don't write in and ask me where did I get that. I I, I invented it myself. That was me. That was me. And uh, well, you know, uh, speaking of uh, inventions here tonight, uh, special night. It's uh, really midsummer and all, you know. And, and uh, tonight, I'd like to uh, salute, if I may. I'd like to uh, take a little time out here. Some time. To uh, point out that uh, even though it is summertime, the the uh, world of the student continues unabated. You are aware of that, right? Uh, well, for example, we have a note here from Milano, Italy. Engineering students at Milan's Polytechnic Institute walked out on a math test because so it was too tough. So you see, uh, <laughs> it's happening everywhere. We'd also like to salute the students in Santiago, Chile. 50 school children, aged between 14 and 15, uh, went on strike, demanding the right to smoke in class. They locked themselves in a high school, leaving teachers and 2,350 other children out on the street going to smoke in class, 14-year-old. Well, I, I, you know, it's it's uh, happening everywhere. And so tonight, it's uh, student night here on our little ding-dong, and uh, I just want you to listen very carefully, because we have something very special for you speaking of the student, and uh, would you please uh, sneak in that music for me. That's something I want to read to you now, and I want you to listen. Take the potatoes out of your ears and sit up for a change. Pull in your gut. The average American boy is splendid material, but in the rough, he is conspicuous neither for order, system, nor respect for authority. The military system supplies the most effective remedy for these defects? Effective because the remedy is sugar-coated. What boy with red blood in his veins is there who does not feel a thrill at the tap of the drum or the sound of the trumpet, who does not delight to handle a rifle, or who does not simply glory in popping away with blank cartridges at an imaginary enemy in an infantry skirmish? Or if he is proof against these... Who will not yield to the dashing interest of the mounted cavalry exercises or to the artillery drill with its fascinating suggestions of power? What other method is there that will so surely and so quickly make the unpunctual boy on time to the dot, the untidy boy, neat and trim, the bashful boy, confident and assertive, the round-shouldered figure, erect and full-chested? The boy who at home, unheeding the gentle maternal protest, varies his rising hour indefinitely. Breakfast word at the military school springs from his bed at the first note of the revelry and dresses as though the house were on fire. Yes, the boy whose mother picked up his things for him at home is now his own chambermaid. He makes his bed, sweeps his floor, keeps his furniture innocent of dust, keeps everything in its place. The boy who was accustomed to argue indefinitely with parental authority now obeys without question. Or delay. He obeys the commands of the smallest and most youthful corporal. The boy who at home thought it looked stuck up to stand and walk straight and slouched disfiguringly goes about now with his head up, his chin in, his chest out and his stomach sucked up, his figure straight and well poised and a goodly sight to see. Yes, the military method, however, to be effective, must be real. There must be no sham about it. There must not be any dilution nor modification. The military schools that have succeeded best are those that have been the strictest and have trained their cadets in their military work as earnestly and exactingly as if the making of soldiers with the end in view and not simply a means The mere nattiness and glitter of the uniform can appeal only to the unworthy traits. If it is to appeal to the best there is in a boy, the uniform must stand for something more than a mere tickler of pride or fancy. The uniforms of the best military schools are eloquent of prompt and unquestioning obedience, of system and order, of setting up exercises that square the shoulders and expand the chest, of drills with every detail accurately hammered out of days of early rising and early to bed and of wholesome living and of many other things which must of necessity exercise on the cadet's afterlife an important and lasting influence. <laughs> and not only must the military system, it is, if it is to create the desired esprit de corps, be thorough and businesslike, but if it is to keep the cadet's interest from lagging, it must also have the spice of variety, for it must be remembered that the cadet of the private military academy has not, in most instances, the incentive of a soldier's career ahead of him, but must gain his incentive solely from the temporary interest aroused by the military features of the school itself. There you go. How would you like to have that laid on you? Now, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll, I'll give you a, 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 listen, I'd award you, I'd award you ten fig with brass, with brass palm, uh, additional dangles, believe me, for if you could identify where that came from, what that is. It's fantastic. Did you did you really listen to that? Really? Boy, I, have, I haven't read anything in a long time that has shown how unbelievably and dramatically times have changed, man, uh, from one end of the century to the next. I mean, spectacularly. Well, I'll tell you what that was. No way you could guess what it was. No way, no conceivable way. That was an editorial in Scientific American. Did you ever, you ever read Scientific American? You know, it, lots well, of you have, Jerry. I'm sure you have. It's a famous magazine. You know, with the birds and the bees and and a story about the. You know, they always have a big thing about the ocean floor and stuff like a rare warbler discovered in South America. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, it's a great magazine, really. But that was an editorial in Scientific American. And if you care to look it up, it's probably on record somewhere. And uh, the, the, uh, the only hooker in in the whole story is that that was an editorial in the magazine, Scientific American, of Saturday, March 4th, 1905. I mean, they really <laughs> they really laid on a line, you know. The whole military thing going full blast, man. And and uh, more than that, it was it was you know it was, you couldn't conceivably get away with anything, you know, writing a thing like that. Not that there's and I'm not taking an anti-defense uh, stance or anything like that. But the whole the whole idea of treating a uh, military thing is is, is a fantastic, a great, groovy thing that can happen. to is a is a totally different scene than today. And you know a, a funny thing I read this. Thing, you See, somebody sent me this uh, this old Scientific American and. Uh, and, uh, it's, it looks like a newspaper, actually. It doesn't look like a magazine. I don't know when they must have... You know, it's a, it's a magazine now, and it's a beautiful one, too. If you ever get a chance to look at it, it's a great magazine. But back in those days, in 1905, when this one was published, this magazine, uh, w- it looked like a newspaper, really, kind of like a tabloid newspaper and slick paper. And the lead story, incidentally, uh, pictures on the cover there, lead story, it shows a guy it says... Uh, View of a modern prospecting expedition in the Rocky Mountains showing the method of packing the supplies and other equipment. It was the modern methods of gold prospecting, 1905. But uh, it looks like the modern methods consist of a long line of donkeys (laughs) with two guys with picks and shovels on their backs. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's kind of a great magazine, but I write that thing Oh, Oh, man. I'll tell you, I, I uh, you're listening to a guy. that one time, I mean, there was there's two experiences I had in my life. I mean that I, that uh, that this uh, thing brought up. I mean that, that uh, I don't I don't want to bother anybody tonight with traumatic experiences that you might have had. But have you ever did you did you hear the note uh, about the the students protesting about failing an exam in math, the striking exam? Well, I, you can't imagine anybody in 1905 striking because they had a bad math exam <laughs> forget it well I want to tell you I'll never forget did you ever fail an exam did you Jerry you did you mean all three of us have failed exams well I'm glad to see that join the club uh, I I only say this and, I, and I, I I can only I can only speak from experience here in this case I have no I have no psychological uh, official textbook uh, uh, reference to back it up with, but I can tell you this, that, that that a guy who has never failed an exam, and there are many guys probably are like that, uh, a guy who has never failed an exam does not appreciate the full ramifications of an examination. You agree with that? In other words, failure could teach you a hell of a lot more than success. Ooh. And how? As Vita Blue is finding out. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yes. It can can shake you down to your foundations. And I'm going to tell you, uh, hearing about those students, you know, walking out and protesting uh, about the exam, I remember a traumatic experience that happened to me in summer school. Did you ever take summer school? Once. That's right, once. Well, summer school is a special phenomenon. It's totally different from you know from regular school. Uh, it, it, anybody who's ever gone to summer school can tell you that summer school is the whole aura is different about it. It's a, it's a totally different uh, the the mystique, the feeling of summer school. First of all, most people are not in school to begin with, and and uh, that gives it a whole different flavor right there. The halls are about ninety percent empty, you know. And now there's two kinds of guys that go to summer school. There are the beavers and the clods. They go for different reasons. The beavers and the clods. Which reminds me, this is WOR New York. Oh, no, 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 no connection. No, no. <laughs> I just looking up the clods. <laughs> My George. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Mister Brown. <laughs> well, if the shoe fits, by God. That's what i got to say. It was that sneaky feeling of walking into a school on a bright summer afternoon or morning with the sun hanging over and the sound of tennis balls in the distance, the sound of birds singing, and the sound of, of uh, happy non-victims on their way to the beach doing all the groovy stuff. As you walk into school, it's 10 a.m., it is summertime. And you're there for one of two reasons. Either you're one of the beavers. You want to, you know, you, the beaver type is is going there 'cause you pick up an extra credit in history, wants to pick up a few credit hours in the social sciences. This is a beaver. I did not know many of that type, except only to see them once in a while at a far distance, with their thick glasses and their their worried expression and their heavy their heavy load of books. That was a, another crowd. Now, I belonged, I have to admit, I belonged to the other group, the Claude types. Now I took summer school on, on well, actually what it amounted to was bad advice. From my advisor. I had this now I hadn't failed anything. See, that's 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 the worst part of uh, of the story. I, everything was cool. It was after my freshman year, and uh, about two days before the end of school, Miss Snyder called me and about three other kids up to the front of the class. She was our advisor, see. And uh, she said, uh, you know, I'd like to suggest that uh, you four pupils investigate the possibility of taking a few courses in summer, the summer school. And uh, I think uh, not only would uh, you find that uh, you'd enjoy it, because after all, uh, you wouldn't do much anyway in summertime, but I think perhaps you'll find that uh, the extra credits wouldn't hurt. Well, you know, I thought about it, and I, and I don't know what made me do it. I, I really, at this, even to this day, I can't understand why I committed such a, such an obvious act of, of mental harakiri. I mean, why? I, I think most of us know. I have a, I have a theory that I'm going to you know, lay on you, and that is that most of us walk willingly, nay, we walk happily to the guillotine. <laughs> it's just, you know, we walk with a, with a with a song on our lips, you know. Well, nevertheless, I am I am trample away, see, and I I go home and I I, you know it's it's summertime, it's great, you know. I I, I, my first couple of days out of school, yeah, you know, just fantastic. And I I remember I'm sitting in the kitchen, see, eating a a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Got my fielder's mitt, you know, the whole bit. I've been out knocking out fly balls with Schwartz and the Flick and Bruner, and uh, I. I said to my mother, I said, you know, I think I'm going to go down to school tomorrow. And she said, what? I said, I'm going down to school tomorrow. She said, what for? I said, I think I'm going to take some summer school. She says, why? I said, well, you know, I just think I may. And she says, well, that's kind of nice. I'm glad to hear that. You know, the mothers tend to like that kind of stuff. I don't know why, but they do. So anyway, the next morning, I go down to to school high school and I, I, get, I go on a bus on you know, the whole scene I get out there and it was very different it looked different it actually looks different in the summertime, and it's kind of kind of pregnant and rich with promise and there's nobody around and I walk into the halls it's quiet you were supposed to go down to to one of the uh, actually we had a little small auditorium in these little lecture rooms you were supposed to go down there that's where you're registered for summer school they had a big sign that was registered that way So I wander on down the halls. And at that point, I began to have misgivings. (laughs) Because it was, you know, it's school, I could smell the lockers, and I could uh, smell the, you know, it's school, see? And and I'm walking down to this big, long hall where the lecture was held, and I turn in, and I go into the door, and there's a lot of kids sitting around in there, and they're filling out forms and all that. And then I see, my God, it was kids' method. Eileen Akers is sitting there right in front of the desk, writing out one of the forms. Well, now I had had my eye on Eileen Acres throughout at least three semesters, <laughs> you know. And, and, and there she was. See that? I don't, so I, I walk over casually past the desk and I say, Hi. She looks up and says, Hello. So, Hi, you uh, taking summer school? She says, Yes, I'm taking summer school. I said, What are you taking? She said, planning, I, whatever she's taking, I'm going to write out the thing, see, she says, i am taking a American history, I said, oh, American history, oh, very interesting, that's a coincidence too, Eileen, <laughs> I uh, thought I'd take a little American history myself, she says, oh, how nice, are you going to sign up for Miss Breifogel, I said, well, I, I was kind of thinking of Mr. Davis, but, uh, I don't know, I'll see. I sat down at the desk there with my form, and I filled out the form, and I wrote it right clear and neat. Walked right into the guillotine without even knowing or questioning. American History 3, Miss D.A. Bryfogle, room 202. I also signed up for another course, which was a little more fun, swimming. You could sign up for swimming, so, you know, it was kind of great to take swimming in the summertime. Every summer you go there and you learn how to do a backhand. And it was just terrific, see? So I signed up. You get, th- you get three credit hours for it, too, not only that. So I signed up for swimming, and I signed up for American history. Well, the following day, uh, the first classes began, and I sat down in my seat in America. Kind of kind of interesting, too, because there were only about 15 or 20 kids in a class, and I'm used to big classes, you know, about 35, 40 kids in a class, and it's summertime. Well, I... I, I sat there and listened to the lecture, Miss Breyfogle talking away up in the front. She had one of these, she had one of these drawing voices, the kind of chalk like oh, he's always talking to her nose. And she says, well, we're going to begin now with Chapter 3. I wish all of you to read Chapter 3 by tomorrow afternoon. And Chapter 3, you know, this is about the origins and the economic ramifications of the Civil War. Now, if there are any questions before... The class begins, come in ten minutes early, I'd be glad to hear Oh, yeah, she's got that droning kind of voice, and it's warm. Oh, God, it was beautiful. See? You could smell the trees out there, and you could hear the sound, and this, this has always been to me one of the most sensuous sounds of all, the sound of tennis balls in the middle distance. Do you have a great feeling when you hear the sound of tennis balls going, dunk, 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 dunk? You know that sound? Dunk, dunk, dunk. Then there's a long pause and you hear a little talk and then, boom, dunk, dunk, ding, It bounces off the chicken wire and boom, boom. Then you'd hear a net ball, donk, donk, you know, into a net, dink, boom. God, I'm sitting here in that American history class and of course, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a feckless dream about uh, Eileen Acres. She was no friendlier in the summer semester than she was in the winter semester, which is to say she didn't even hardly recognize my existence. She's sitting up there in the front, you know, and I'm just sort of casually lounging back. Because you can't get... I, I couldn't get myself serious about school in the, in the summertime. That's the problem. I hear, boop. I hear the sound of that tennis ball. And then you can hear voices coming in from the streets. Outside it's summertime, you know, and you hear just just casual voices and you, to, you smell that green grass, and somebody was cutting the lawn it is you know, <coughs> you hear the machine out there, the lawnmower, and you hear <coughs> and you smell that grass that fresh cut grass. this is not conducive, believe me to studying about the panic of eighteen seven. it just does not bring the roses to the cheeks of uh, <laughs> of uh, our major historians. Uh, n- not that anything could. So I'm sitting there just drifting away, enjoying it. And history is a kind of a, you know, a kind of a course that you you don't really have to concentrate. Not like trigonometry. You know, not like, like chemistry, that kind of stuff. And, and uh, Miss Breifold's voice is droning. <laughs> and the questions and answers and the endless discussions and... And uh, I kind of liked it. It was was a soft, warm, drowsy, easy, uh, soporific way to spend the morning, about an hour and a half. And I had that warm feeling inside of me that I was getting credit hours for. (laughs) And it was kind of great. Well, then, after after the American history class, the bell would honk. And, you know, they had the bell goes off in the halls. But it echoed. It was the first time I recognized it. It echoed because nobody out there. Yeah, you echo up and down the hall. It was kind of pleasant. There was was almost a feeling like have you ever gone into somebody's house or or, some place that uh, usually has other people in it and you're sneaking around in it all by yourself? The feeling of privacy and almost like being illicit. Like you're sneaking around, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. So it's always kind of soft and warm. And I didn't, I, really, I, I enjoyed it immensely. I can't imagine, you know, me doing it again. But I enjoyed this feeling. It was just so great and warm. And I walked out into the hall and walked casually down. down the swimming pools, of course, were in the basement. The basement of the school. So, I, you know, I've got my shorts on, I casually walk down, and oh, kind of, yeah, just great. And I get down to the down to the lower level, I could smell a swimming pool. Now, you, you know how a swimming pool smells, you know, the chlorine water and all that stuff, but our lower level of our school always had this this real strong smell of, of fresh water, of like a pool, a gymnasium. And uh, and uh, I walked down to, to Pool A. We had two big pools, one A, one B, and they used to have one for girls and one for boys, the way it worked. And uh, I casually walk on down to Pool A. And <laughs> yeah, sure, I loved it. And, and you really learn how to swim. It's a, it's a, It was a great, great thing. So I'm, you know, cooling around the pool. Then I climb out. And now it's time to go in and you get dressed. You know, and they hand out the towels and, you, and uh, walk through this chlorine again, your feet. You know, and take a shower and go out into the halls. Oh, a great feeling, seeing it's, it's warm in the hall. I go out up. Up the steps. Now I'm through with summer school. See, I've I've had my two classes. I took swimming and I took my American history. So now it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I get out on the street and I can smell the grass. I was living in a fool's paradise. (laughs) A fool's paradise. Well, I, 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 I continue to go to school now for at least three weeks. Well, one day, I'm sitting back taking it very easy, casually lounging. Ah, it's so kind of, Yeah, it's so great. But then that day that Miss Bryfogel announced in her monotone voice that we were going to have an examination that was to be held that Friday. This was on a Wednesday. And that we would do well to review the work we had had up to now. Because we are going to have a comprehensive examination. Well, I, I I don't know what this is about exams. You know, I, you know I, I am a good exam taker. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Some people are adept at taking exams. Now, that doesn't mean they're necessarily good scholars. They, they, they've got the exam mind. You know what is it, the exam mind? Somehow your mind zeroes in. Uh, you have a sixth sense that goes off when you're skimming through a book as to what they're going to ask you. And and, and furthermore, you have the mind, you have the type of mind that can retain these uh, irrelevant facts, which you will be asked, just long enough to pass the exam. A a, a truly good exam taker peaks at about three minutes before the time the exam is actually being taken. He reaches his peak. You agree? Now, you, you come up to him an hour and a half after the exam, and ask him the same questions, and he doesn't know what the hell it's about. A true exam-taker concentrates on passing the exam, not on learning the stuff, right? So, I you know, i, I and i would always been good at this. So I figure, well, there's no problem here. So, for the next couple of days, in fact, even in the swimming pool after I got dressed, I sat around a while, I skimmed through the history book, first time I'd actually looked at it. <laughs> I skimmed through the history book, a history workbook. One of these things with the blue covers, you know, History Workbook, American History 3. So I skimmed through this thing, and I said, well, oh, you know, it's not so bad. And the next day, I, at breakfast time, while I'm uh, getting ready to eat my Wheaties, I skimmed through it again, no problem. And so that, that, that afternoon passed in beautiful pastoral peace. Well, the next day, which was Friday, dawned, a beautiful, beautiful summer day. It is on such days, I might add, that I, I have firmly come to believe that most disasters are visited upon men. A beautiful day. I was mousetrapped. The sky was blue. The, the clouds were white and fluffy. And I had not a fear in the world. That guillotine was coming to me closer and closer, and I, like all true victims, was marching with head held high picking up my knees, keeping my gut straight. It's a little march music there. I, I would like to salute... Tonight, I would like to salute all the victims who marched to the guillotine with their guts held in. Yes, head held high, eyes sparkling, marching forward. And that basket is just waiting for your head this way. The sun is gleaming on the blade. Not upward and onward, we shall go. I'm not afraid of the scaffold, not afraid of the guillotine. Bring out the firing squad, I'm ready. I'm marching upward, onward. Yes, that is the litany of the victim. Not bad, was it? That's kind of good. So, <laughs> so anyway, I would say a class was four minutes old when I realized it was like, it, I, I can't describe the experience except to use a medical analogy. It was like my entire body had been injected with double-strength Novocaine. There were ten questions, essay type questions. I did not recognize a single one of them. I, you there are ways to fake it fake an essay questions, but I didn't even recognize the subject, the topic, or the reference of any one of the ten. Well I sat there for about five minutes. There was no way to fake my way out of it because it was a big classroom and there were only about 15 of us and we were sitting 5, 10 feet apart. And I had this little blue book that I was supposed to put the answers in. You know those little blue books? Oh, God, some nights I wake up dreaming of those little blue books. There's nothing I could do. I just took my book up and I said, I'm through. And this over, she says, oh, right, you're through. She thought I was, you know, one of the fantastic students here. I'm through already. There have been five minutes of the class. I said, Yes, I'm through, Miss Brye Bogan. I handed her to. Look, she said, you haven't put anything in. That's why I said, so funny. (laughs) I'll have to fail you. I said, Well, that's right. That's right. She said, Well, son. And I went out into the hall and down to the swimming pool. Well, I'm swimming around for about ten minutes when the coach called me out of the water. He said, say, I just got a call from the office. I said, from the office? So yes, they say that you failed history. I said, well, yeah, yeah. He said, well, then you, you can't take swimming. See? You know, if you fail a course in summer school, they just drop you out of, out of summer school. Sure, we can't swim? I said, no, I... Ain't. on my tennis shoes walk through the bath of chloroform without even taking my laces out and out into the street never to go back to summer school ever but I can only tell you this the failure once tasted the the, the taste of that rotten apple core way down at the bottom where even the worms don't eat is never forgotten once you stuck a fork in your salad and come up with a tomato worm. You know, you don't forget it easy. And so tonight I would like to salute all the failures out there and all the guys that are going to summer school. It's kind of great in some ways, but look out. Yeah. <laughs>